Mr. Mike, you're going to come on up, and while you're doing that, I'll make a few announcements quickly this morning. Um, we do welcome you to church this morning. I'm going to ask that if you would take time to fill out your communication cards, you'll find them, and pastoral staff, you might as well come to stay on the platform, and your spouses, please. Okay? Well, the spouse in here, that's fine. Some, some of them wander, and they're in the first service. We didn't give them much notice. But this morning... Um, Fill out your communication cards, if you would. And I just want to mention to you, um, we're going to get better at this every week. And fill it out and update us on the information. You don't have to fill out your address every week if you're here every week, but just only if it's new. If you are not getting the prayer list or what's what, that's the newsletter. Some of you are like, Pastor Paul, I've signed up for that thing and it doesn't come to me. Listen. We use a system called MailChimp, and every once in a while, Sherry will call me, and she said, Pastor Paul, did you unsubscribe from our own newsletter? And I said, no. It kind of kicks people out randomly. I don't understand it. If you're not getting it, put it in bold letters. Uh, Pastor Sherry will see it. Pastor Sherry, I'm still not getting it. Okay? We want to help you with that. Uh, there's one announcement on the back of your bulletin we're asking for a response for. Best Year's Fellowship in one month from today on a Sunday, November 1st, for those 55 and older. And it's got to be a few of you because I'm knocking at the door, and I know that you're older than me. Uh, we're going to have a luncheon. Uh, we usually, uh, it's typically a senior Sunday, but uh, it's anyone 55 and older. It'll be in the fellowship hall where there's plenty of space to be spread out. And I promise you, I won't show up in a hazmat suit, but I promise you I'll be on everybody to wear masks and gloves. Some of our folks are watching this on TV. We have not seen some of our seniors for four or five months. Um, and now I've gone to their house and sat on their sidewalk and seen them, but not here in church. And they're missing the church, folks. They, are, they have probably missed more church this year than they've missed in their entire lives, some of these folks. So we want to encourage you to come. Sign B for Best Year's Fellowship. Be a part of the luncheon. And I promise I'll keep you spread far apart. I'll sneak you in the back door. If you've not been to church all year, you don't have to come to church. I'll just sneak you in the back and sneak you out. All right? Children are not in here this hour today. Today we've started children's church full, full hour and nursery care. So if you've not been back to church yet, just know that there's something for your children. This Wednesday we're starting children also, 6.30 to 7.30. And those who were on the bus route have already contacted you to let you know uh, what's going on. So Faith Promise, uh, we collected. Our goal this year is $29,620. First week... Uh, in church, we, we had promises of 15,000. Last week was another 45. So we're up to about 19. We're about 10,000 away. And I'm glad that Pastor Randy is chairman of the missions committee. I'm like, Pastor Randy, it's the first time I'm a pastor, and that's $10,000. He says, we'll get it. We get it every year. You are so faithful to God's work, and he will bless us for doing his work, uh, missions, and blessing the world and our community. So Get that into us, please. Mail it, drop it by, uh, or put it in the offering as you leave. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Mike, our vice chairman. Thank you. This is a very important day. This is our Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and it kicks off this Sunday. It's actually all month, and as uh, Christy comes up with Paul, this is, this is awesome. Have y'all looked at this? It wasn't many years ago we had zero pastors. Now look how many we got. This is awesome. Natasha, I can't say enough. Worship is spot on. Who would know we'd have a monthly media pastor? 
And really, what is that? <laughs> As we work on it, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. We'll find him something to do. No, he got plenty to do. Landon and his wife, it's just unreal. And, and excited about new people. I, I like to see the deer in the headlight look he gives me sometimes. Or when he, Paul is talking to him about something. I seen it this morning. <laughs> it is awesome to watch. Sherry and Shane, they're a pair. They come when we needed them the most, and they're still here with us. Amen. And they're going to have fun. I mm -hmm. see it coming. Randy, old friend and comrade, and his wife. Awesome what he's able to do and bring to this system here that we got. And Christy and Paul, come here by mistake, took a wrong turn. <laughs> but they're here. Hmm. Didn't have a clue about being a senior pastor. Well, he didn't say anything about being a senior pastor. He just wanted to be a good children's pastor and a good youth pastor, and he worked hard. And look what God has done here. Hmm. The board had a hard time this time. We've never had this many people to appreciate. <laughs> But we're excited about it anyway. And I was, Natasha's husband is part of the gift, too. He, he, he had to run out, you know. He, he's got kids, too, and Natasha was busy at work. <laughs> but Natasha, thank you so much. Randy? Sherry? Landon? <laughs> I got you. Give him a hand. Amen. And, and don't forget to get Pastor Paul's photo out front. They got a, Denise picked a nice place to do a post. There's a poster. Pastor rocks. We can go through the Wesleyan Church and get a good some more gifts for Paul through the church. But what it does is shows the Wesleyan Church how much we care about our pastor. And, and put, a, put our church up front. So take time to do that after service and, send, and do, follow the directions through Facebook and Twitter. And uh, if you need any kind of help, our multimedia pastor will help you. There you go. He will. I didn't know what was going on this morning. They just said go out in the foyer and get your picture taken. So we'll be out there. And he said it was all month. So if you didn't catch it today, uh, you, will, you will get it. So, uh, yeah, Natasha's husband is wandering. I'm, I'm going to let you know something about Brent. When corona is over, he'll be all over you. He'll be our best greeter. He is a people person. And uh, the first couple weeks of corona, I just had to keep pulling. I said, you cannot be out in the foyer with that baby. Get in here. And uh, so you'll get to meet him more. And Stacy's not here with Randy this morning because she had knee replacement this week. So she's uh, watching us online with her knee propped up. And... I am honored this morning. Uh, I, I couldn't help it as we were worshiping this morning to think, you know, when God calls you, you answer his call and you say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. But when you are in the presence of the risen Savior and you are humbled, it's one thing to be a child of God, but to be his servant and the responsibility to serve and love his people uh, is awesome. And he is mine and I am his today. So I want us to continue uh, talking in our series about how to handle life's problems. And during the series, we've been looking in the Bible 
uh, and discovering God's solutions for our everyday problems. So find your notes this morning. They're on the pews around you. They're orange this week. Keep changing the flavor for you, so keep you awake. If you're online this morning, uh, you can look in the comment sections. It'll tell you where to find those notes online. So today we're going to be talking about how to talk to to God about my problems. So when it comes to dealing with our problems, here's something that really seems odd to me. We want to know God's will, at least we say we do. We want God to help us with our problems. We want his direction in our life. But often when it comes to dealing with our problems, God is the last one we turn to. dealing with problems that we face in life. I want to suggest to you that many of us turn to our friends, and and that's good to have friends that we can rely on when we're facing problems and that can give us advice, but it can also be dangerous, and let me tell you why. you got to be cautious. Your friends are emotionally invested in you. They're really friends. They got your back, and they're going to probably take your side. And I'm going to tell you, when they're in that corner, they don't always see very clearly. They're probably not going to tell you everything the way you need to hear it. So you just want to be sure that when you're getting advice from friends, as I shared last week, part of being the body is you just don't need to take everyone's advice. Everyone's opinion doesn't count. I told you that last week. But you want advice from godly people. Godly friends are those who are not about their own motives, but they want God's best for you. Some people turn to their spouses. If you're married, you know that's pretty common. You come home and you want to talk with your spouse about the problems. But again, uh, one of the issues is that your spouse is probably just as deeply involved in the issue as you are. She's affected as much as you are. And so she may not always be able to be a big help, but it is good to bounce stuff off. And sometimes, let's face it, the spouse is the problem, right? So how do you talk to the problem about the problem? There is a time to talk to the problem about the problem, but sometimes you've got to talk to someone else about the problem. For some people, it's their parents. You know, when you're young, you smart. You think you got the world by the tail, and then all of a sudden you become a young adult, and you find out your parents are so smart. They're not as dumb as you thought they were. Like, how does insurance work, and all those things that you never understood as a kid. It's good to get advice from our parents. We should honor our parents. We should listen to them. But listen, parents get emotionally involved, right? They don't always see clearly. Do you know what a mama bear is? Listen, we have so many retired teachers in our church, and I know they are glad to be retired because we are living in a different day. When Junior comes home from school and tells mama all the things that the teacher did, and my teacher did this, the mama's like, roar, wait till I get my hands on that teacher. Not Michelle, though. She sees right through it, right? There's a few parents that are smart. But so many parents just get sucked in by the emotion of their kids, and they're not, they're not the best. But listen, and parents, like a young adult, you know, they come to their parents and say, Mom, I think I want to drop out of college. You want to what? Right? Mom and dad sometimes have a different plan. So sometimes it's hard to always trust. I mean, trust your parents and love them. Just be careful. For some of us, we turn to a counselor. And when you need it, we need to talk to a Christian counselor. It's a great idea, whether it's for marriage counseling or for its dealings with issues that you're going through. 
that's important. But listen, a Christian counselor or a therapist should not be the first person you talk to. How about this one? The Google, right? Many people search the internet first to find solutions for their problems. You've got to be careful because this could take a small problem and make it into a really big problem, make it worse. For instance, let's say I wake up this morning and I have a cough, so I Google it. Now I'm sure I got the Zinka virus and I'm going to die this afternoon, right? Take a small problem, we make it a big problem. Or let's say you're having problems in your marriage, so you Google it. And the first thing that pops up is a list of divorce lawyers. I would just suggest maybe Google's not the best resource for advice in your marriage at that point. So as we look at this list, who is missing from the list? God. God. Even as Christians, often God is missing from the list of people that we turn to first with our problems. There's nothing wrong with talking to a friend or a spouse or a Christian counselor or a parent. The problem is, is when you turn to them before you take your problems to God. You see, the danger is that when you're facing a problem and you turn for guidance from someone else before you talk to God, no matter how good they are, no matter how godly they are, they are not God. There's no one in the universe who loves you more than God does. There is no one in this world who knows more about you or understands you more than God does. And no one sees your best future better than God can see it. If you go to someone else first with your problems, it's very possible you could turn a small problem into a big deal. You could take a wrong step or make a wrong decision. So here's what I'm saying. As Christians, it's not that we don't turn to God. It's that often he's our last resort. After we've exhausted every other option and we can't figure it out, after it's become too big a mess for us to handle, it becomes overwhelming, we're about ready to flip out, that's when we take our problems to God. But what if we learned to turn to God first instead of as a last resort? The Bible is clear that first step, the first person that we need to talk to is God. And that what talking to God is, is prayer. That's what prayer is, simply talking to God. Let's look at the first verse on your notes there, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So according to this verse, when we're going through problems, we have two choices. You can either worry and be anxious, or number two, you can pray. You're going to do one of the two. You can't do both at the, same at the same time. You're going to have to make a choice. And listen, anytime you face a problem and you leave God out of the process and you don't talk to him, that will cause worry and anxiety. When you talk to God, now it's okay. You, you should talk to your friends and your spouse and parents, and counselors, that's all good. But when you talk to God first, this verse promises that God will take your anxiety and your worry and replace it with peace. Now, I'm talking his peace. Not, I'm talking to a friend and I feel a little better. I'm talking about, Jesus said, peace that passes understanding. It's beyond our understanding. I find that most of the time when I'm worried and I'm stressed out, 
It's because I focused more on my problems than I have on prayer. So that's our key for today. There on the front of your notes, the biblical principle that'll help you handle life's problems. Today's biblical key is this. Talk to God about my problems first. Talk to God about my problems first. Now, the key word here is first. So after you write it down, I want you to circle the word first. Now, why is that important? There's three reasons in your notes why we should turn to God first. The first one is because he cares for me. No matter how much other people might love you, God cares for you more than anyone. He created you. He gave you life. He demonstrated his love for you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you, to pay for your sins so you could be forgiven and that you could have eternal life in heaven with him. God has done absolutely everything he possibly can to show you how valuable you are to him. Why would he love a wretch like us and make us his treasure? You can come to God first when you're facing problems because God cares for you. But the second reason I come to God is because he knows what's best for me. If your home was on fire this morning, let's hope not, because you're at church. But if your home was on fire this morning, would you just casually sit down and make a post on Facebook to get other people's opinions about what you should do? Would you text a friend and say, hey, have you ever had this happen to you? What would you do? No. What are you going to do? Call 911. Call the fire department. Why? Because they're the experts. They're going to know what to do. They're going to give you the right advice. You can trust them because they're the professionals. It's the same way in your spiritual lives. When you face problems, don't go to other sources first. You first need to talk to God because he knows what's best. So God cares for you. He knows what's best for you. But listen, he's always there for you. We've been talking about that in our theme verse from Deuteronomy. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You can talk to God first about your problems because he has promised that he's never going to leave you. He will never fail you. But sometimes, as Christians, we forget. We get distracted. There's so much going on in life. Our focus is everywhere else. We forget how much God cares for us. We forget that he knows what's best for us. We forget that he has promised that he'll never leave us. But listen, Jesus knew we would forget. There's a scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit, and he says, and when he comes, he'll remind you of everything because you're going to forget. He knew that we would need reminding when we were in the heat of the battle in the midst of the problem. So, how do we talk to God about our problems? Open inside of your notes. First point. First step is this. Be honest to God and talk to God like a friend. Be honest and talk to God like a friend. Romans 5, 10, and 11. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. Now, not only in this, but also, uh, but we also boast in God. We sang about that this morning. There's nothing in my life I boast in but Jesus Christ. But also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom 
we have now received reconciliation. What is that big word, reconciliation, reconcile? It simply means to restore friendly relations between two groups. And that's what God did. It says we were enemies, and God reconciled our relationship. Jesus paid the price so that we could be close to God again. I'd like two different times this morning, I gave you the New Living Translation as well. Verse 11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. There's a contemporary saying. It says, I am a friend of God. He made us friends again. We're no longer enemies. And Jesus said, I don't call you my disciples. I call you friends. Jesus died on the cross. He took our sins upon himself, not just so that we could get into heaven, and have eternal life, but so we could become a friend with God again. Now listen, uh, you need to be honest and talk to God like you would a close friend. And I hope you have a close friend. I'm not talking about acquaintance or somebody you know, but a close friend. So how do you talk to a close friend? Do you change who you are when you're with them? No, you don't have to be someone else. Do you use formal language? Right? Do I walk in the office? Pastor Sherrieth, I cometh to you this morningeth to shareeth with you some newseth I have heardeth on the way to churcheth. King James makes it all better, right? No, you don't use some kind of formal language. You don't change how you speak to them. Do you guard what you say because you're worried about what kind of impression you're going to make on them? No. And listen, this guy that's so ADD, stuff will come out of my mouth. It's going to happen during a sermon, and I'm sorry. Okay. But I know you're going to love me anyway because you're stuck with me, right? Right? You voted on me and called me here. Okay? So I don't worry about it. If things happen. We all make mistakes. But listen, if someone is a close friend, you just talk to them normal, in a normal way, in a casual way. You're honest with them because, listen, they already know all about you anyway. You don't have to put on airs with them. You don't have to pretend that you're better than you are. You don't have to be fake. You trust them that they're going to love you just like you are. You're informal with them. You're personal with them. You're real with them. So let me ask you, when you pray, how do you see God? Do you imagine him as a friend? Do you imagine him as a heavenly father who loves you more than anyone else possibly could? Or do you imagine God as some far-off, distant being that you're afraid of? That you have to impress, that you've got to jump through hoops to get his attention and his approval? Listen, when you talk to God, you don't have to use fancy words. You don't have to use a prayer that's all structured, and you don't have to say everything perfectly. God wants you to come to him just the way you are. He just wants you to talk to him. He wants you to be yourself. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray and teach you some things about prayer. You're going to have to go back and read it for yourself this morning. But Jesus said, don't try when you pray. Don't try to impress God, right? He doesn't care how great you are at saying fancy words. Don't try to impress other people. When you pray, don't keep repeating the same thing over and over every time, right? Pastor Landon would look at me cross-eyed every morning if I came in and quoted him the same paragraph every day, right? You just don't do that. That's not normal. Now, you might talk about the same thing a hundred times, right? And, but God doesn't get tired of hearing it. 
You don't do uh, that when you talk to normal people. Don't do that when you talk to God. It's like going somewhere private and talking to God as a friend as you would a close friend. Share what's on your heart honestly. If you're happy, be happy. If you're upset, be upset. If you're angry, it's okay. God is God. He's the creator of the universe, and he can handle your anger. He can handle your emotions. Let him know how you feel because, listen, he already knows what's in your heart anyway. Be real. Just be simple. Just be honest. Be you. And talk to Jesus as if he were sitting across the table from you. In the first service, uh, Pastor Natasha was leading worship, and she said, you know, it's just like go, when I go home and I have tea with Jesus. Sitting down with Jesus. I said, it wouldn't be that with Pastor Paul. We would have diet Mountain Dews. But listen, Jesus is right here. And I talk to him normally. And that's what I encourage you to do this morning. Here's the second way you talk to God about your problems. Be honest is the first. Second is be thankful while you're going through problems. Be thankful while you are going through problems. When you're facing a problem and you do the right thing, you come to God first before you go to any other sources, right? What if instead of just starting out and laying out all your problems before God, you started giving thanks to God for all your blessings first? Now, I know that's probably not the natural thing to do, uh, to be thankful to God when you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed with a problem. And it's okay when you pray. Sometimes it's pretty immediate and we're crying out, God, help me, right? And we just lay it out there. But there is something to this idea of giving thanks. So why is giving thanks to God so important? When we focus on the problem too much and not on God's blessing, our tendency is to pull away from God, to start complaining, to start to blame, to start to get angry. Even with God, you have a complaining spirit. You start becoming negative. And if you don't know it, just ask your family because they'll tell you. People closest to you see it. What is your problem? I'm ticked at God right? That's what happens when we focus on our problems. You may choose to blame God and become a bitter person, but something happens when you begin to talk to God first by giving thanks. Even when you don't feel it, something happens when you say, God, before I tell you all that's on my heart, I just want to thank you for my salvation. I want to thank you that I can never know the cost of what it was to have my sin upon the cross. Jesus, I'm so grateful that Jesus took a wretch and made me his treasure. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids and grandma and cousins, whatever your family structure is. It's a blessing. God, thank you for my job. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my health. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. You've got a ton. Now listen, when you do that, you begin to see, listen to me, you've got far more blessings in your life than you do problems. You do. We all do. We begin to see our problems differently. Now the Apostle Paul had to constantly face problems in his life. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, this is what he wrote. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Paul says to be thankful in what all circumstances underline that phrase all circumstances Paul is saying there's no exceptions no excuses in everything give thanks 
Now look at me. This is what I do in children's church. When Pastor Paul can see your eyeballs, then I know you're listening. Right? Hear me out. I want you to notice that Paul didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. You're not giving thanks for your circumstances. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. You don't have to be thankful for your problems. You don't have to be thankful for cancer or sickness or when the kids are driving you up a tree or relational issues or financial uh, troubles or when you lose your job. You don't have to be thankful for those things. He's not saying be thankful for all things, but he's saying be thankful through all things. So here's my challenge to you this week. Talk to God first about your problems, but also as you start your prayer, start by saying thank you. If you'll do that, you're going to draw closer to God with him. Perspective on your troubles and on your problems and your situation. So the first way to talk to God about our problems is to be honest. The second was to be thankful. And the third is to be persistent. Be persistent in talking with God. Now, there was a little boy who was misbehaving one night while his father was trying to get him to bed. His mom was away at a meeting, so dad was taking care of stuff on the home front that night. And long after the little boy had been tucked into bed, he was doing the classic drink of water routine. Dad, I need a drink of water. You know, it's like a desert when you go to bed. His father came upstairs and he gave him a drink of water, and of course, in a short time later, then he had to use the bathroom. And this happened several times. It, finally, the father is just exasperated. And dad had reached his limits in patience, and he said, no more, young man. You get into bed, and you stay there. And a few minutes later, dad could hear the pitter-patter of little feet upstairs. He bolted to the foot, foot of the stairs, and he is ticked. He's just finally angry. And he yelled up at his misbehaving son. He says, look, I'm telling you for the last time, you get in bed, and you stay in bed. If you get out of bed one more time, you're going to be in trouble, and I'm going to come up there, and you're going to get, as in my house, you are going to get a spanking. For a moment, it was very quiet. Then a little voice drifted down the stairs. Daddy, when you come up here to give me a spanking, would you bring me a glass of water? See? That's how children are. They're persistent. They will wear you down, right? They'll wear you down. They'll know you give up eventually. Now, it's funny, but in Scripture, God says that's the way I want you to talk to me. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What, what the NIV version here doesn't really show us is that in the original language, Greek, that the New Testament was written in, it doesn't just say, seek, uh, knock, and ask. But actually, the Greek word says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, be persistent. That's why I gave you the New Living Translation. I like how it says it. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. I want you to understand, this is a promise of God. He says, you keep asking you will get an answer. 
You keep seeking, you will find it. You keep knocking, I will open the door. Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on pursuing. Don't give up, but why? Why does God, who is the creator in the universe, want us to be persistent in prayer? If the answer is no, then just tell us no. And if the answer is yes, why doesn't God just give us what we want? There's a couple of reasons. First of all, persistence in prayer draws us closer to God. Because the more you talk to God, the more you're going to be able to recognize his voice. Now, Christy and I have been married 29 years. It'll be 30 this March. And if she were to call me and I were to pick up the phone, I can recognize her voice within the first syllable. Why? We've had so many conversations in the last 29 years. I can recognize her voice immediately. Now, this happens to me a lot at the church. Has that ever happened to you when someone calls and you don't know them very well and they assume that you know who's on the phone and they start talking to you and they start telling you things and the whole time you're thinking like, who is this, right? You have no idea and then they're telling you things and you're trying to piece the whole story together and you don't know where you know them from. I've just gotten to the point I just swallow my pride and I say, "Uh, wait a minute, who is this? I know I sound like an idiot, but I don't care. I'm getting too old to have to play those games. Now, usually people are playing, oh, Pastor Paul, I'm sorry, this is Billy Bob. I might tell you that. I just thought you'd know my voice since we're so close, right? It makes me feel bad. And then you got the people that aren't so quite so polite, like, you know, we haven't been in Ohio for four years, right? If you haven't called me in the last four years, there's a good chance I'm taking you out of the phone, Right? I just got too many Marks and Mikes in my phone to start with. So if you uncalled me in a year and your name is Mark, you're out of here. Four years. So then all of a sudden they call me out of the blue. And I'm talking to them like, I say, who is this? Oh, I see how it is. I see I'm real important to you. You don't even have me programmed in your phone, Pastor Paul. Now listen, if you call me and I call you by name, hey, Shane, how are you doing? I might recognize your voice. I do know some of you but it's probably because you're programmed in my phone. And I can about guarantee you, as soon as I hang up, you get programmed into my phone, right? Now, you might be weird. Don't look in my phone. Poor Shelby, married to Landon. I think she's still in my phone. Land, uh, Shelby, right? Billy Bob, the exterminator that comes to the house, and Ray Bob, the, the exterminator from the church. And if you attend Pickens View, I'll put Mark, the guy from Pickens View, blah, 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 right? I, got, I have to describe you all. I can't keep you all straight. That's because I'm old. It's not because it's complicated. But listen, why do I recognize my wife's voice, but I don't recognize another person's voice? It's because of the amount of time I've spent talking to her. If you don't spend time talking to God, when you face a problem, even though you want to hear his voice, and even though you want to receive his direction. He could be talking to you and you won't recognize his voice because you have not been spending time talking to him. He's trying. God says keep praying, keep talking because in talking to God, in this having this persistent communication with him, there's something bigger going on. We're learning to know him and know his heart. Persistent in 
Persistence in prayer is also important because it grows our faith. God says, keep asking. Trust me. Trust me. And it makes us more like Jesus. Here's what happens in prayer, okay? Praying is not get, trying to get God to bend to our will. God, give me what I want. I'll keep praying. I'll wear you down. It's not like your kids, right? They know. If I keep asking for this tablet, after a thousand times, my mom is going to pull out her hair. I'm going to have a tablet in a month. That's not how it works with God. We're not trying to bend his will to ours. But prayer bends our will to God's will. We need to learn that everything that we want is not God's best for us. We need to learn to have his heart. Something happens in talking to God that transforms us. It changes our perspective. Just by starting prayer with thanksgiving starts to change your perspective. Your problems aren't as bad as you might think. We begin to see our problems, not only perspective, but the Holy Spirit that lives within us now starts communicating with us. He says, hey, I'm right here. I'm a helper. I can put stuff in your head, good stuff that you need to know from God. Our faith grows us because sometimes what we ask for isn't God's best for us. He's like, whoa, 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 you are in left field. It's going to take a while for us to discuss this till I can bring you around. I love you, but you're way off track here. When we talk to God and we share what's on our heart, and just let him know what you want. Even if it's not God's will, let him know what your desires are. He'll help you get where you need to be. Don't worry about, well, I shouldn't ask for that. You know what God does? He shapes and changes our heart to be like his. I meant it this week in What's What, how much I love Mr. Mike. He drives the bus for us. But he's also our vice chairman, which means he's like the head honcho of the leadership of the church, I guess. This guy has a heart for our community and for this church to help people see Jesus Christ. He gets so excited at nativity time. 2,000 people come through our barns at Christmas. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. In that same way, I shared at the end of What's What this week that let's follow God's heart. I want Mike around me, and I want other folks in the church around me who keep reminding me that we need to have our heart molded to God's heart. We need to be about what he wants us to do. He changes our hearts and he helps us to want what's best, his best, and not just what we want. So when you're praying to God about your problems, you got to be honest, you got to be thankful, and you need to be persistent. But lastly, you're not going to like this one. It's no fun. We have to be obedient. So here's the final step. Be ready to obey what God tells me. I need to be ready to obey what God tells me. To be honest, the number one reason why we don't talk to our God or talk to God about our problems first is because sometimes we really don't want to hear what he has to say, do we? We're afraid of what he's going to tell us to do. And even though we know that God's way is always best, it's seldom the easy way, right? You know God's put that on your heart. You need to go fix this relationship with somebody and you don't want to do it. But I'm telling you, God's way is the best way for you and for them, whatever it is. You've got a problem, so you pray. You know, God, I need your help with this problem. And God's going to respond to you. He's going to tell you stuff, right? Here's some suggestions he might say. He might say to you, well, you already know what you need to do. 
You need to end that relationship that is messing up your life. It's not like we haven't been here before. God may say to you, you know, the first thing you need to do is remove that sin in your life because it's what's causing the problem. You just don't want to let go. The first thing you need to do is spend more time with me and get closer to me. Or maybe he'll challenge you to take a step of faith. You need to start tithing. You need to start giving back to God and trust me with your finances. Or you need to stand up for God and get baptized. Maybe you need to apologize to that person I'm bringing to your heart and mind. Maybe you need to stay at your job that you hate because I want to grow you through it. I've had a few jobs that God kept me at about three years longer than I was wanting to stay, right? It's his plan, not mine. Sometimes we have an idea of what God might be trying to tell us, so what do we do? I'm just not going to talk to God about it if I'm not listening, la, 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 right? Here's the thing, God loves you and he wants his, uh, the best for you, and you can trust him every time. Not 99% of the time, 100% of the time that he knows the best way for you. He already knows the way through your problems. Even though you're freaking out and flopping on the deck, he's like, I already know. Just talk to me. When you talk to God about your problems, listen, just say, God, my answer is yes. Before you even say anything, my answer is yes. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I know sometimes we're afraid, but don't shrink back from God. Be bold. Be strong. Be courageous. That's why we're doing this series. You can grow through your problems and trust God and not be afraid. You see, that's faith. Saying yes to God before you even know what he might ask you to do. You know that whatever it is, whatever it's going to be, it'll be the very best path for you. That's the kind of faith that moves God. So let me ask you, are you ready to obey whatever it is that God is telling you to do this morning? One of my favorite verses, John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Circle the word listen on your notes. Listen. How many times have you prayed a prayer where you list everything off to God that you want to him and you say, and then, you know, you say to God all these things and you finish up your laundry list of things and then you say amen, which means so be it, and then you end. You don't even give God a chance to speak, right? We're good at that. Here's what I want, Lord, like the drive through Now, how do you think that would go if I called my wife, Christy, and I said, hey, Christy, just be quiet for a moment. See, I'm already half dead right there. Hey, Christy, just be quiet for a moment. I don't have time to listen to you. But here's a list of things I need you to do for me. And I go through that list, and then I say, well, okay, I've got to go, so be it. Goodbye. How do you think our relationship's going to be? I would be in a lot. I've never done that, and I am not going to start. The point is, after you've told God everything that's on your heart, instead of saying amen, so be it, what if you said, okay, God, I'm listening. Actively wait and listen for what God might want to say to you. So how do we receive from God? How do we hear from God? More than likely, God's not going to speak to you in an audible voice. If he did me, I would freak out, right? Moses in the burning bush, I do not want that to happen. I remember when we lived in North Carolina, it was our first uh, pastor, we were youth pastors, and we had rented a house, and um, 
we wanted to buy a house. We wanted to make an investment. So we either wanted to buy a house or flip a house or build a house, whatever. And there were a lot of young couples in that church where mom and daddy all had land and everyone lived on the plantation and land was free and so they were building huge houses. We just wanted a house. We had looked at houses. We'd crawled under houses. And I remember being in the spare bedroom and I was laying on the floor and I was praying. And I don't know if I'd been praying off and on for weeks, but I'd go in there to pray. And I remember just telling God, God, would you please give us a house? And this hasn't happened like this again in my life, but I remember very specifically while I was praying on the floor, there was such a peace came over my heart, and I felt like God say, I will give you a house. I was done. I'm like, okay. Now, it didn't come the next week. It didn't come the next day, but God allowed us to build a little cracker box house. It was 1,000 square feet. It was small, but it was brand new, and it was ours. God spoke to me. He spoke to my heart. It wasn't audible. God will speak to us through his word, the Bible, the scriptures. That's why it's important that every day you're reading his word somehow. He'll speak to you through the Holy Spirit because he lives in you, and he'll start giving you direction. I shared with you last week that God will, one of the main ways, ways he speaks to us is through godly people. God will speak into your life. Sometimes we just need to stop talking and listen to God. Look at the second part of that verse in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Underline those two words, follow me. You've prayed to God about your problems. Now listen, you've got to be willing to act, to obey, to follow, to do what God is telling you to do. So let me ask you, is there something that God has been telling you to do, and you know it, but you haven't done it? Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you know it's going to be hard or you're uncertain how it's going to turn out or maybe you just don't want to do it, period. Doing whatever God tells us to do may mean that some changes are going to have to happen in your life, that some habits are going to have to be broken, that some relationships are going to have to be done away with and some might have to be mended, that you might need some faith to overcome some fears in your life. What is God telling you to do that you're hesitating to do. Hear what Deuteronomy 11.27 says. It says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. In other words, your obedience leads directly to God's blessing. You want God's blessings? Obey. So we started this morning by talking about this list of people that we tend to turn to first. And Unfortunately, God is not usually very high up on the list, but I hope this morning, after hearing his word, that at least this week you're going to try to put God first. Listen, maybe you're here today and you have never actually asked God to come into your life, that you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. The first thing that you should talk to God about when you pray is your salvation and your relationship with him. You should talk to God about getting right with him and starting a relationship with him. It's not complicated. The promise there on the back of your bulletin, the very last verse, Acts 2.21 uh, says, And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who believe in Jesus, it's not complicated, will be saved. So if you've never done that, maybe today's the day you need to call on his name. I'm going to ask 
all of you to bow your heads right now. This morning, closing in prayer is not so much Pastor Paul praying as it is you praying. We're talking about talking to God. And now, in the sanctuary online, now is your opportunity to talk God, just between you and him. doesn't matter who's around you. I want you to talk to God about the problem that you brought in with you today. That thing that you've been worrying about that's been causing you anxiety and fear. And as you talk to God right now, and I'm going to keep talking, but you pray in your heart. You don't have to use fancy words. Just talk to God as a friend sitting there in the pew next to you. That's what he wants. He loves you. Thank him for the blessings that he's given you, and then give your problem to him. And now listen, we're talking about being persistent. Be ready to give that problem again to him tomorrow, and then the next day, and again and again, because you've got to be persistent and keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. And as you pray, whatever God tells you to do, be ready to obey. Say, God, my answer is yes. Tell me what you want me to do. So if you're listening today and you've never said yes to Jesus before and your heart's pounding and you know God's speaking to you, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins, to give you eternal life, but I want you to know something else. He's ready to give you new life right now. You can pray today. Just pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I'm ready to follow you. He'll come into your life. He's going to give you new life. Father, this morning as we close, I want to thank you that you love us and that you don't leave us alone when we're struggling in the midst of our problems. And God, we all have problems. Help us to learn to talk to you through prayer. Help us to be honest. Help us to be thankful. Help us to be persistent. And God, help us to be obedient. If we could just understand this morning, taking that step of faith and obeying what you say will open our lives wide open. Help us, God, because we can't do this on our own, but you already knew that. You gave us your spirit to help us this morning. We want to learn to talk to you about our problems and learn to listen to your voice. Get to know you so well that when you speak, we know instantly it's you. Help us as we trust you more each day. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Bless your word today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. The ushers are going to come, and they'll dismiss you from the front. Go with God. And remember, if you're picking up your kiddos, uh, go out the back doors all the way down by the car, car, carport and go to the exterior door under the canopies. And all of your children will be there, and that's where you'll pick them up to keep everyone out of the hallways. Go with God today.